Welcome to the Attractors Group Podcast. This is episode 75. I'm Ryan Sir, along with Don Helbig. Don, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ryan. Uh, looking forward at the end of the month to heading to San Antonio, Texas, getting away from the cold here that we have in the tri-state area, and attending the American Coaster Enthusiast Winterfest event, the bigger off-season events that the club has, and I'm going to have a chance to be a presenter at it, so really excited about that. And you said that's in San Antonio? In San Antonio. It's going to be at SeaWorld this year. Oh, that's cool. That seems like that'll be a uh, uh, a pretty warm place to be. I know it gets kind of cold in San Antonio in the winter occasionally, but uh, here's to uh, to you doing that. that. That's really cool. So safe travels to you. Um, yeah, I'll take I'll take the 60s over the 20s that it's going to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been trying to snow, but it hasn't successfully been able to snow yet this season. But so fingers crossed that it doesn't because I hate snow. Um but yeah, so for those of you who are listening, welcome. You can listen to us on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, you know the drill. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, leave us a comment, and tell a friend. We'd love to have them here. Don, what do you want to talk about today? Well, Ryan, it's uh, just shy of four years uh, since you know COVID hit and uh, really impacted you know how the theme park industry operates. And uh, one of the most impacted was Walt Disney World in Orlando. Uh, so there's been, uh, as everyone knows, it's it's changed the way you had to visit the parks. You had to get the reservations and uh, different things like that. But, uh, you know, starting this week, things for the first time since 2020, uh, getting back to normal there where you no longer have to make reservations. And I know you as an annual pass holder, uh, you have to be very excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and to be honest with you, the the changes um, didn't really affect me personally that much because I hopped onto the annual pass thing about six months ago. So a lot of people compare it to the like the situation now or the situation that we're into the past. But for me, this is the world I've known for for being a, an annual pass holder. Uh, but the thing that excites me the most is that um, it's one of the last little inklings of that terrible year with that terrible virus and the, you know, those terrible memories. Um, so I, I, I'm happy for it in that regard more so than anything else. Well, how do you think these changes at Walt Disney world, uh, you know, removing the park reservations, the return of the Disney dining plan, uh, for just literally, I mean, millions of guests, we can say, how do you feel that's going to impact their flexibility during their trips? I mean, I think it's going to have a, a huge amount of, uh, of flexibility added to the trip. I mean, to, to be honest with you, if you understand the reservation system, it really wasn't that bad, especially with my experience starting with midsummer, because essentially the way that it worked was you had to have a reservation and then you could go to that park. And then after two o'clock, you could hop to another park. Uh, so little caveats with that. So I couldn't make a reservation at like another park and then go to like, I couldn't make a reservation at Epcot and then show up at animal kingdom after two, I'd have to stop, like stop at the park where I had a reservation. So little, little things that probably made sense on paper, but to explain it to somebody, it sounds like insane, you know, but, um, I think that if anything, it's going to take away a lot of the confusion uh, that's associated with it, especially because for individual tickets, they no longer require reservations whatsoever. Um, so if you have tickets, you can go to Disney World. And I think that that's something that 
is long overdue. And, uh, you know, if you have a ticket, it's hard enough dealing with, you know, your genie pluses as well as the reservations and the whole like Disney industrial complex, shall we say that you're dealing with while going on a vacation there. Uh, the reservations were more or less meaningless, uh, toward the end, especially in the past six months or so. So I think that just removing that layer of confusion is going to be the biggest impact of all of it. All right, let's talk about the significance of the park hopper, uh, that ticket add-on. Um, how does it enhance the experience for visitors exploring multiple parks in a single day? Well, I mean, it's if you're going to visit more than one park, you have to have it, first of all. But park hopping is part of the fun when it comes to Disney World. You know, I mean, it, there are some parks where you kind of have to dedicate a day. I would say, like, Magic Kingdom, there's enough to do that you can't really do a half day there. But if you're not going to do every single little thing in the park at, say, Animal Kingdom, you can go there, especially if you get there early, and you can hit up, you know, your avatars and your Expedition Everest and stuff like that. And if you don't want to spend a lot of time looking at, like, the zoo-like attractions, then, you know, hop on Disney Transportation or hop in your car and go to a different park. I mean, every park has its own personality. What's your favorite form of transit to get to these different parks when you're doing the hopping? So there, <laughs> it's funny you ask. Uh, I normally we drive. We we just hop in the car and we drive mainly because if you let's say you uh, you start at Epcot and then you you ride the monorail over to Magic Kingdom and then you stay there till eleven, you've got to ride the monorail all the way back to Epcot to get to your car, but. As far as like the neat stuff is concerned, uh, I have different respects for these things on different levels. So when I took Erin there uh, for her first ever visit to Magic Kingdom, I did what my friend Todd did for me in which nobody wants to ride those boats. You know, it's if you want to get to the park or back from the park, it's like such a pain in the butt. But at least once, everybody has to have that experience of, you know, hopping on the boat and cresting the turn and you can finally see the castle and the castle's getting bigger. So I made sure that she had that that experience with our first visit to Magic Kingdom. So I, I like that for that regard. I like the monorail because it's a cute interpretation of what like 1998 was going to look like when they built it. Uh, I would say they were wrong. Um, and then there's the Skyliner, which I, I'm intrigued by the idea of the Skyliner but the one time I did ride it, it kept stopping. And when it stops, like the it's designed so when it moves, the airflow comes through it. But it wasn't that hot when we were riding it. It was like 75 degrees or so. But it, when it stopped after a couple minutes, like the temperature started to rise. So I've always been kind of paranoid about putting a lot of stock into that. But I do like having it as an option. Yeah, I like the sky. I think when I first, when I... Normally, I would stay on property, so I'm not driving to park in their parking lot. So uh, I like taking the, the the bus, you know, to go to the the different parks and then just being able to do it that way. I think it's the most convenient way to do it. Yeah. Uh, depending on what time you're trying to hop to, you can hit in that, you know, that busy traffic times, too, if it's early in the morning or it's late in the day. But, um, you know, the buses are always good for me. I, I don't mind the monorail, uh, but I do recommend, like you said, if it's your first time going to Magic Kingdom, you know, take the ferry boat. Yeah, I agree. Um, now I will say I, I should caveat when we rode, uh, the Skyliner, it stopped several, we took it from Epcot. So it's in like the UK pavilion and the Epcot, like that kind of area. And we took it over to Hollywood studios 
Um, and it stopped several times and we had the issue that I mentioned, but on the way back, it broke down. So we had to take the bus back. So, um, <laughs> the Skyliner's cool though. Like, don't get me wrong. It like looks really cool. And I love how they have the graphics on it and stuff, but reliability sake is just not quite there yet. But yeah, yeah. The Skyliner is a neat concept. I wish they would. I, I like look. Yeah, go ahead. No, no. I, I wish they would have something that would cover more ground that you could get from Animal Kingdom to Magic Kingdom or whatever. But the original idea, I believe, was the uh, the monorail. But the monorail is like I, I saw some YouTube video where it was like thirty million dollars a mile to build or something something like absorbent like that. But um, maybe the sky the Skyliner, as they perfect it more and more, maybe a better solution to cover more resorts and more parks and stuff. <laughs> on the buses you get the tv monitors so you get to see you know different uh disney clips and things uh things to do while you're visiting in the park i like looking at the different ads they have inside the bus you know going down promoting what's happening uh but that that's always if my go-to would be the buses just because i'm familiar with it easy to do and like i said you get those videos and that uh, let's talk about uh you know one of your favorite things dining plans uh, can you explain the the two prepaid meal plan options for uh, Walt Disney World guests, uh, including the quick service dining plan and, and the standard Disney dining plan? Uh, you know, how are they different? Yeah, so I've actually never had the dining plan. Uh, as an annual pass holder, they've got their own deal with that, and I'm not going to get too much into that. But um, it, so nowadays they've got uh, the dining plan was reintroduced, and it's it's for people that have booked reservations for stays starting January 9th. So by the time you're listening to this, it's already a deal. Um, there's a quick service option where you can get one entree, one non-alcoholic beverage at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and then there's a table service one. This is a little bit more complicated. You can get one entree and one non-alcoholic beverage. Or so I should say, I put in my notes, or alcoholic beverage if you're 21 or older. So alcohol actually is covered, which is kind of interesting. Or you can get one buffet or family style meal and, uh, and a beverage. Uh, and then there's a, uh, brunch option where you can get an entree, a dessert and a beverage, or you can get a buffet for, for brunch. And that's a good deal. The brunches are like 80 bucks there nowadays sometimes. Yeah, that is a good deal. Look at Walt Disney world, just hundreds of thousands of cast members working there in the last, you know, like I said, we're just shy of four years, you know, from, from COVID, you know, kind of shutting down the park and then implementing all these changes. So a lot of turnover at Walt Disney world. So a lot of these cast members, the only thing that they know, the only world they've lived in were all those things that were implemented in place since COVID, you know, with the reservations, that's what they've learned and how to explain all of those kind of things. Annual pass holders, you know, you're new in the last year with that. That's what you knew. Uh, let's talk about change. People don't like change. You know, even though it's going back to the way it was, uh, you know, how's that going to impact everybody there? That's a good question. And I, I guess that remains to be seen. Um, I I feel like the, the reason why they kept the reservations uh, for so long is because they've been so busy that it would be bad optics if they got rid of them. So, I mean, I, I think it would be a completely valid argument of, I went to Magic Kingdom, everything was an hour wait if you didn't have Genie Plus, and now you're telling me you don't even need a reservation anymore. I think that they kept on trying to put that off. Um, but, 
you know, when it comes to change, sometimes it can be painful, but I, I can't imagine a guest wanting the reservation system. I've never, you know, there's, there's debate back and forth about things like Genie Plus or if the dining plans are worth it, but no one's ever said like, I love this whole reservation thing. And honestly, I, I don't think it had much meaning. Like, I don't think it had a meaningful impact on their business. I don't think it helped much with forecasting or anything like that, because um, if, if I can go to, uh, you know, Epcot, mm -hmm. They have no idea if I'm going to park hop to, to Magic Kingdom or Animal Kingdom or anything like that. They, they just have no idea. So you can't really use it for forecasting either. I think that in the bygone days of COVID, when they could only have a few tens of thousands of people in the park from a legal standpoint, it made perfect sense. But nowadays, I think it's lost all meaning. And it was intended for crowd control, but they got so much pushback from the guests that they made it a shell of its former self. Um, now, from a cast member standpoint, I, I have no idea. I've never been a cast member. Um, they probably have the optic that it's going to be busier and less predictable. But, I mean, it, w for a lot of the jobs at, at, at the parks, you know, whether it's very busy like it normally is or extremely busy like it is during, you know, Christmas to New Year's that week, does it really affect your job? Like, does it matter if there's an extra five or 6,000 people in the park? Probably not. I'd say not so much your job, but maybe the questions that you get asked that you're expected to know. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. They still, they still made sure to make this kind of a mess. Like I, I, they're, they're adding. Okay. So, so this is some of the caveats. So for, for single day tickets, you just essentially don't need a reservation anymore. Um, they're adding good to go days for annual pass holders. And I'm guessing cast members too, from, from the context of what you're saying, I hadn't heard that, but that's, that sounds like it makes sense. But essentially you can show up anytime, no reservation, depending on the park. Um, the information on the good to go days is going to be added into the, my Disney experience app, as well as their website. Um, you, then now you still have to make a reservation if you're an annual pass holder, but once you go to the park, you don't have to wait till two in order to park hop to another park. Um, and the exception for that is Saturdays and Sundays at Magic Kingdom. So uh, with Magic Kingdom, you still have to do essentially a reservation like you normally would on weekends because they're just so darn busy there. So they didn't entirely get rid of the reservations. Uh, it's still there. It's still relatively complicated. But I feel like most people that have annual passes are usually in tune enough to like kind of pay attention. I'd be far more worried about the individual ticket people. Like how many times did they have a, a family of five that bought a 10 day ticket that showed up from Washington or Arizona or whatever, and didn't have a reservation. And they were initially told they couldn't come in. I, I bet that was a thing, you know? Oh, exactly. With that. And, and I did hear that was a thing. Now, when you're going to Walt Disney world vacation, supposed to be a relaxing type of a thing have fun with the family um the last few years it's been very complicated a lot of stress trying to plan your disney you know visits when can we go to the park when can't we go to the park and you know i think it just became so stressful a lot of people you know just held off mm -hmm. so i think this is going to be a good thing to get a lot of those uh you know people to come back to walt disney world because now it's you know getting back to what it used to be we're very easy to plan your visits now we're talking about walt disney world you know, dropping the reservations and that, but out, you know, West Disneyland, uh, California, uh, they're going to be different than Walt Disney World, and they're still going to have park reservations for now. Yep. Yeah. And uh, they're they're 
park keys i think they call it which is their version of annual pass is not always on sale um it's a completely different situation out there i i they the vibe that i get and no one's told me this especially nobody within disney but the vibe that i get is that they almost the annual pass holder is almost like a nuisance at that point because the demand is so high that really the last thing that they need is somebody that didn't have to buy a ticket that day getting in. And a good uh, thing that makes that evident is that like, I, I think like a week before Christmas, like maybe a week before Christmas going into the new year, there is not a tier of pass that will get you into Disneyland and they're still packed to the gills, you know? So, Oh yeah. But on that same token, you know, there are a lot of parks out there that will sit there and, you know, they'll, they'll, go crazy trying to sell you a season pass or an annual pass for a few months of the year. And then when it comes to redeeming it, you're seen as a nuisance at Disney world. They don't exactly make it easy to get an annual pass too, you know? So it's kind of like, if you want it, you got to kind of pursue it, which I respect that, you know, but uh, Disneyland, they made it really difficult to buy a pass, but I don't see that changing anytime soon. In fact, I would be disappointed. And I think that it would make very major negative news but I could see them just not having annual passes. I could see them ending the program, you know, just let the people that have them now keep on renewing them. Eventually they'll all fall off and, you know, everyone buys tickets and then reintroduce them when we go into the next recession and you need people again. That's a possibility. I think um, Disney, they've teased the genie plus mm-hmm. uh, would be changing. What are your thoughts on that? And what would you like to see out of Genie Plus as a annual pass holder to Walt Disney World? So I buy Genie Plus almost every time I go. Um, it, it really it is the difference between being able to have fun and not being able to have fun. And and there are arguments that Genie Plus being as inexpensive as they make it sometimes is responsible for the extraordinarily long standby times. But with that being said, the Genie Plus stuff, I I, I would there's a couple things that I that I would like to have. Um, I would like to have the ability to book more than one at a time, uh, more than one experience at a time. And it's not necessarily like right now, one of the big secrets, there's some sort of caveat in there where something like Slinky Dog Dash or uh, Frozen or Ratatouille, where, you know, if you try at nine in the morning, sometimes the next time is at 7 PM. Um, and there's some sort of like two or four hour window where you can still book during the day, but it would be nice where it's like, okay, you set your alarm for 7 a.m., you book Mickey's Runaway Railway. It'd be cool if you could be like, okay, 45 minutes later, we can do Twilight's and Tower of Terror. Like, j- just to plan your day a little bit more. I don't know if that's the plan, because I feel like that would be working against the problem that they're having, where it's too many Genie Plus and not enough standby as far as the inventory of the line is concerned. Um, but that, from a consumer standpoint, that's something I'd really like. Um, another thing that I would like to see is, like, a standby option for Genie Plus. So, if you don't book Ratatouille first thing in the morning, you're done. Like, you're, you're not going to get it. It'll be sold out. But to be able to put yourself on a wait list where you can at least be informed of like, hey, this time opened up at 625 p.m. Are you interested? That would be kind of nice, but that might be a technological limitation. But those are the only two things I can think of. The reality is it, it, it's underpriced for what it is and too many people buy it. It, it needs to be uh, probably priced more so for value or for scale rather than value. So it's not like a half the park has it, 
that would probably solve a lot of their problems, but create other problems, of course. What are some of the other rides from your experience that you have to make sure you lock in right away when you get there? You're not going to be able to do it. You're going to miss out. Yeah. So Ratatouille is that's if you don't do that at 7 a.m., you're not getting it. Uh, Slinky Dog Dash is another very hit or miss one where uh, you can sometimes get it, but you're it's going to be five hours into the future. Um, what are some other ones? Uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway sometimes gets like that. All these rides are worth the wait, by the way. They're all like, just incredible rides, but it's either Test Track. That's another one that often sells out. And it's just, you know, and it's funny because you would think that if if a if a Genie Plus sold out, it would mean that it's so busy. But, you know, I bet you there are days when it's, you know, it's raining or it's like a Monday in the off season or, and it's just not very busy. I bet you Ratatouille still sells out by 9 a.m. You know, it's just the capacity's not there. You mentioned Slinky Dog. Um, what are your thoughts on that as a coaster? It's one of my favorites. What about you? So I've ridden it twice and both were really bad experience. Well, okay. They weren't really bad experiences. The first one was kind of funny. We sat in the front row and we couldn't see anything because Slinky Dog's giant head was so big that we couldn't see anything. Uh, and then the second time we rode it, and uh, and I'll put the photo up here is uh, we, we this was a couple weeks ago. We rode it during a tropical storm and it's like us pulling our head, the, you know, our ponchos down over our head. So <laughs> that was kind of miserable. But uh, an honest opinion is I, I think it's just it's a l- adorable ride. It's so fun. Slinky Dog is every like little toddler's favorite character, by the way. And then it's it's voiced by Jim Varney. God rest his soul. What more could you ask for? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, one of my favorites at the Walt Disney World Resorts. Uh, another one of my favorites uh, that I like is, uh, you know, the Big Thunder Mountain. Mm-hmm. So I, I do enjoy Big Thunder Mountain. The thing that I don't like about it is when it comes down to it, it's a roller coaster and you can kind of get that anywhere. Now, granted, like there's more to the story than that. Uh, but I yeah. go to Disney looking for dark rides. But well, what I will say, my favorite part of Big Thunder Mountain is when you get towed up the hill, like the second lift hill and the track is like bobbing back and forth. I think that's like so cool. Yeah, I enjoy that. Uh, what about for you? Um, if you have the choice, you got to pick one or the other Tower of Terror or you can ride Haunted Mansion. Which one are you going to do? Tower of Terror. It's the best ride that's ever existed. You, sh- yeah, you should have I mean, just stopped when I you asked Tower back Terror. And forth. You know, <laughs> no, no, I go back and forth on, on you know which one of those I like better. Um, can never get enough for me of Haunted Mansion. I always see something different every time I ride it, and you know I've got over a hundred rides on that. And every time to me it just feels like a different experience because I'm I'm catching something I didn't before. But it's the same thing with Tower of Terror. It's never the same experience twice for me. You know, it's uh, so I. I've ridden Haunted Mansion probably about 10 times now with the vast majority of that being within the last six months. Um, and, and I love Tower of Terror. Like I am not ragging on Tower of Terror. What uh, I'm sorry, Haunted Mansion. I love Haunted Mansion, but Tower of Terror at its worst is a really good ride. But remember the ride, the ride program itself is randomized, at least to a degree. 
And I've had some ones that are just so good. And the best part of that whole ride from a thrill mm -hmm. standpoint is that you lock into that elevator shaft and it doesn't matter if this is your first ride or if this is your hundredth ride, you do not know if you're going up or down. And I, that's just like, that'll get you every single time because you cannot prepare for it. It's not like a big drop versus a little no. drop. It's not a little a little shoot up versus a big shoot up. It's, it's You're either going to shoot up or you're going to shoot down and you cannot prepare for both. And I think that is just insane. Yeah, that's another thing I love about it. Like I said, it's never the same ride twice. Um, and I really like the theming of it. You know, even if the line's, you know, out into the midway a little bit, it's still, you know, something to see as you're going through the, the queue. Then you get inside and... Uh, just, you know, a lot of different things to see, the attention to detail, uh, the, the cast members, you know, they're very much into their mm -hmm. role, uh, all of those things. So uh, just a great experience. If you have not done Tower of Terror, what are you waiting Yeah, exactly. You got to do it. You know, room for one more. No, should we, <laughs> should we mix up the two IPs and say there's 999 happy haunts in this elevator, but there's room for it. <laughs> hey, Don, since they added the Hatbox Ghost, are there now 1,000 happy haunts in the Haunted Mansion? So there is no longer room for one more? That's a good question, <laughs> but maybe they took something else. Yeah, so, that's true. Uh, no, I think that, that that's a storyline. I mean, it is the backstory. It is really, you know, again, just so well done. That's what you get when you go to Walt Disney World or Disneyland. Um, just that that attention to detail, the backstories, the theming. Um, you know, it's just a, an, an experience that you don't get anywhere else. You don't, you know, it, granted, they don't have the big, you know, the giga coasters or anything like that. So some people rule it out. They don't want to go because it doesn't have all those big roller coasters. But it's not about that. You know, it's about all the storytelling. And it just, you know, you, you always go to, you know, for me, it was always going to the park to get away from like the everyday life. You definitely are immersed into another world when you're at uh, Walt Disney World. Oh, yeah. And that's the one thing that always gives Disney the edge over Universal for me. Like Universal has these poignant moments where it's like, that's better than anything at Disney. And like, you obviously, like the Bourne stunt show, like Disney doesn't have anything like that. But with Universal, it's just not constructed with the separation in mind, you know, because you can like see the road from the top of the rides and stuff, which are things that Disney World was never... Uh, never designed to to have, you know, because of, you know, the famous story of when Walt was talking about with Disneyland, how he saw people hopping on the sky ride to see how bad traffic was. And then they would leave if the traffic started backing up. And that's neither here nor there. Don, your favorite kingdom at, or your favorite park at Walt Disney World is Magic Kingdom. What's your fa second favorite park? My second favorite park is Hollywood Studios. See, that used to be mine too, until recently and then epcot has edged it out i let i like epcot you know for the different events that they have mm -hmm. um i think some of the food there you know is just off the charts good mm -hmm. um but in terms of just you know if i'm going to spend a full day you know the other two parks i'm gonna i'd rather be there than epcot for a full day yeah it's um it's not that Hollywood Studios diminished on me. It's that Epcot grew on me. And I loved Epcot from the beginning. It's just, as once you buy your annual pass and we make bros trips down there, you'll understand that when... No, I mean, I like it. I well, love it. I mean, no, no, great, I'm saying that the... Per, you know, when you're down there and you've got a choice... But the perspective changes. You know, the choice is there. I'm taking... I'm taking. But when you have an annual pass, you don't have to make that choice, is what I'm saying. You've got all day and it doesn't really matter because you've got that flexibility and you can come back next month if you want to. But that's where Epcot comes in because that's when it's like, 
you know, you don't have to ride every ride. So, you know, I never really got to poke around in the German pavilion. What's this Japanese video? Like, there's just so many caveats there. Plus, it's like, it's such a darn weird park with like, come on, the land pavilion. That reminds me of a mall from the 90s. Like, I mean, come on. That's so cool. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a unique experience and it's, you know, it's a must do. If you're going there for the first time, you definitely have to do Epcot. Um but just for me, like I said, for the time that I'm there, if I'm going to be spending, you know, four or five days there or just a weekend there, um, you know, definitely going to hit Magic Kingdom, definitely going to hit Hollywood Studios. And then if I have that extra time, yes, Epcot, you know, comes into the picture. But that's just me. Yeah. Well, Hollywood Studios does have some some rides that are kind of like if you don't get to ride them, you're kind of missing out. You know, you got your Tower of Terror and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Those are just two to name a few, you know, you could, I would say Star Wars, but I've only ridden that twice. So I'd be a little hypocritical to, to claim you have to ride that every time. Uh, but I really like like the Muppet vision and stuff. Um, I, I, I really do just enjoy that. A lot of people just go in there for the air conditioning, but I think it's cool. I like the old. Yeah. But for the different festivals and that, you know, you're not going to beat Epcot for that. I mean, yeah. I went, you know, a few years ago, I wasn't thinking I was going to, you know, walk out of there, uh, you know, thinking, you know, this is an awesome event, but they had the, uh, the flower and garden, mm-hmm. you know, event that they had there. That was super impressive. And then all the photo opportunities that, you know, it provided in that. So something that I was, you know, planning to spend maybe a couple of hours there before I went back to magic kingdom, I ended up spending like six hours there. So there's things like that when they have the event, they have, you know, the different food tasting, wine tasting, different events like that there. Um, you know, those are fantastic. And for those kind of things, yes, Epcot would be, you know, near the top right, right there for me at the Walt Disney World. So we need to settle this debate. So Magic Kingdom's out of the question because it, I feel like there's a lot of people where Magic Kingdom's their favorite park and they're never going to be budged off that. But besides Magic Kingdom, leave a comment on this video or tweet at us at attractions underscore GRP. What's your favorite park at Walt Disney World besides Magic Kingdom? And why is it Epcot? Or why is it Hollywood Studios or Animal Kingdom? Heck, throw in the water parks too. You know, Typhoon Lagoon. You know, if that's your favorite, let us know why. Let's let's settle this. Cool. Yeah, Don, do you have any final thoughts about uh, the big changes going to Walt Disney World this in the next couple of months? It is so good. It is so good to see things getting back to normal. You know, we see it in other things, uh, but to see it at Walt Disney World. I think that's just a great thing, and it makes me excited to get back down to Orlando and visit Walt Disney World. Yeah, I am too. Yep. The difference is I actually went through with getting my annual pass, and now I'm just waiting on you, Don. Okay. All right. It's coming. All right. Well, stick around. We got pick six coming up next.